As we open your word, O oh Lord, speak to us in ways we can hear that you might change us, transform us, and make us more your people than we are. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Today's World Communion Sunday, and when I was younger, I used to think that every Christian church in the world was having communion with us today. And then in 1999, I went to Scotland to do an exchange, and uh, I asked them about World Communion Sunday, and they said, what, what is that? You know. So I realized they don't do World Communion in uh, Scotland. And then I went to Congo in Africa, and um, I asked them, did they do World Communion Sunday? And they said, what is that? So they don't do communion in Congo. Or I went to Malawi, no. Hungary, no. Cuba, no. El Salvador, no. So then I realized that um, we're not taking communion with everybody around the world. It's kind of disappointing. And when I looked at the history, Shady Grove Presbyterian Church in uh, Philadelphia is actually the church that started one great hour of sharing with the idea that it would grow out to the whole world, which it never did. But it has stayed a national movement for Methodists and Lutherans and Presbyterians. We are taking communion with a lot of people today, and we do so in the spirit of all of our brothers and sisters in the world. Whether they are at the table with us or not, they are always at the table with us. So um, I made an adjustment, but I'm okay with World Communion Sunday now that I truly understand it. And we come to it today with all the people who join us at the table, and there's one verse from Luke 22, not 24, 22, 14, that I would lift up. When the hour came... He took his place at the table, and the apostles were with him. The word of the Lord. Now, it strikes me that a lot of life happens around a table. Think about that with me for a minute. Significant tables in your life. Tables of great joy, tables of great disappointment, tables of happiness, tables of sadness, we celebrate our, all of our birthdays are celebrated around a table of food and cakes and funny hats. And we have pictures of when we were one and two and three and they're all around a table. We celebrate our anniversaries around some kind of food and table. Our retirement parties are celebrated around a table. We grieve the loss of our loved ones, as I did this past week, around tables of food and fellowship following the service. There are wedding banquet tables that are adorned with flowers and wine and festivities, but there are also tables in law offices where we sign divorce papers. Tables in our lives where we buy our homes and commit ourselves to large Mortgages so our families have a place. Tables where we sign papers to accept an invitation to go to college somewhere, university. Tables where we sign up to go into the military and to serve our country. 
tables where we sign a contract on our first job and tables where we're let go of some of our jobs. Corporations in Richmond and in New York and in Charlotte and in Atlanta will meet around tables tomorrow morning and they will make big decisions, big decisions made around board tables. But so do churches make decisions on what pastors to call, the comings and goings of interims, where it's all made around a table. Schools, hospitals, they have their tables. And then in our homes, we have the family table. Now, I learned a lot of rules at my family table, and I bet you did too, and mainly my mother taught them to me, but you know the rules. Uh, No elbows on the table. I don't know why, but no elbows on the table. No chewing with your mouth open. I like that rule. It grosses me out to see people chew with their mouth open. You, you, you have to wear a shirt, but don't wear a hat. So you have to know what to wear when you come to the table. You always have to have a shirt, even in the summertime. If you've been out in the pool, put on a shirt. But take off your hat in the house and at the table. Wait for grace. You can't eat until somebody has said the blessing in our house. You have to thank God before you just start gobbling the food like a moron. And that would that'd be what my father said, or a heathen. I listened to my parents talk at the table, especially at the supper table, and and what they talked about, I absorbed their their personalities and their, um, their value systems without even knowing I was taking it all in. But they talked about politics and church and they talked about extended family, things that were going on with aunts and uncles and cousins, nephews. They talked about things in our community that were happening and um, how they felt about it, decisions that were being made in town. And I absorbed all of that and then they would listen to me. How was your day? How'd you do on the test? How was football practice? Um, How are you doing in this and doing in that? And at that family table, we learned who we were and what we valued and how we thought. And there were times I was dismissed from that table. Have you ever been dismissed from the family table? Because your behavior was not acceptable at the table. And so it was time for me to go from the table. And I would have to painfully get up, push in my chair... And even then, I was being dismissed from the table, and I still, had, I still had to say, may I be excused, you know, before I could leave. You know, and it was, it, so, you know, always learning the rules of how to be a family. And I'd go to my room and not have finished my supper because of something I had said or done that had disrupted the flow of who the family was going to be. That's what you learn at tables with your family. But there was also love there. There was judgment, there was grace, but there was always love. And there have been tables in our lives that have unified us, brought us together with a lot of different people who are not like us at all. But there have been tables of discrimination that have divided us. I remember as a child, my parents uh, Christmas shopped always in Raleigh. 
um, and we would stop by a restaurant called Birds, B-Y-R-D-S. And uh, we would, they would always get takeout. It was just a thing, a Christmas tradition or something. And uh, those are the days when you could leave a kid in a car. And I would sit in the car, and while they went in to get the food, there was a big sign over the door of Birds that said, Whites Only. And then over to the corner, there was a little sign that said Negroes, and it pointed around a corner. And I, I was 10 years old, so this was 1964. And I never could figure those signs out. And my parents would come out, and I would go, why is there a big sign that says whites in that door? And, and back then, you used the term Negro, and I'd say Negroes over to the, in the back. And the explanation never made any sense to me. As much as they tried to dumb it down or numb it up, it just didn't make any sense because these were tables of discrimination. You know, you are who you eat with. So we don't eat with them and they don't eat with us and that's the way it is, was not a good answer. Tables can be unifying, but tables can also be painful and discriminating. Who we eat with matters. The table can be a powerful symbol of nourishment, belonging, formation, transformation, suffering, and joy. A lot of life, a lot of your life has happened and will happen at a table. In the Presbyterian Church, we always have a table. You can go to any little church out in the country, they got a table. You can go to a big church in New York City, and they've got a table. And, you know, we take it for granted, but there's a table. In the Presbyterian Church, we don't have an altar. And that may be news to some of you. The altar for we in the Reformed faith was the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice made on the altar of the cross was God's sacrifice on your behalf. We don't go to the altar to make a sacrifice. We go to the table to receive one. So when people say, well, I was married at the altar in the Presbyterian church, I always say, no, you weren't. Impossible. Couldn't have done it. Unless you were married at the cross. Because we have no altar. It's a weird thing that we've got a table in the church. I mean, why not, if you're going to have furniture, why not have a sofa? I mean, and a sofa would be, come and rest, take your rest in me, or a bed. In every Presbyterian church, a bed right up front. You know, lie down and rest in, in Christ, or a lamp, I'm the light of the world. I mean, if you're going to have furniture, why a table? It seems absurd when you think about it, but this table's different. A rich man and a poor man eat at this table together and they get the same amount of food and the same amount of service. And there is no special seating. There's no reservations. Nobody gets to this table because they make more money than anybody else. It's an equalizer. This table's not based on merit. You can't do anything to get invited to this table. It's not like knowing somebody who got you here. It's not based on race. It's not for white people. It's not for black people. It's not for Mexicans. It's for all races. 
It's not based on education. Those of you who've gone to college get to come to this table, but if you've not gone to college, you don't. That's not it. Nor is it based on, uh, you know, your political party. If you're in the right party, you can come to the table of Christ. You can't earn a seat at the table in any church in the world. There's no way for you to earn a place. Because it's a table where you actually come to receive something. And perhaps that's why Jesus charged us to do this in remembrance of him as often as we should do it. Because this table exemplifies a kind of unconditional love and grace that calls saints and sinners together in Christ. This table tells you, like my family table, this table tells you who you are. We all get the same little splash of juice, the same amount of bread, or we come down the aisle when we do intention like beggars in a bread line, and we get a pinch of bread and dip it in the cup, and we eat with Jesus. There's no head table There's no special seating. The elders are servants today. They bring the elements out to you like waiters on a table. Not as special people who have special offices, but as servants of the church. And so are the pastors. We represent Christ in this meal. The one who strapped a towel around himself and washed our feet. If we do this meal enough, then perhaps it will change how we live in the world. Not as people who are takers or people of power, but people who have received grace and therefore can give grace. And if that's the case, maybe we should do this meal every time we meet. It struck me in thinking about the table today that if archaeologists were to find the actual table where Jesus sat with his disciples, the real table, and brought it here and set it before us, and each of us could come and sit around that original table, nothing special would happen. It would make no difference. Because it's not the table, it's who's at the table that makes the difference. It is this Christ who heals our past so our future can be transformed. There is no new future until the past is healed. That's true in a broken marriage. How can you have a new future if we can't get that past healed? That's true among the racial tension in our country today. How can we have a new relationship with each other until we heal the past? How can you move forward when you're bleeding backwards? This table heals the past and forgives the sin and sets you free for a different future, one you can't imagine, one you haven't started to dream yet because you don't dream that big. If archaeologists brought the table of Jesus to this place, it would do us no good unless they brought Jesus with it. It's being at this table with him that changes who we are. Now, as weird a thing as it is, is to have a table in every church 
Here it is. We eat together, which is really strange when you think about it. A whole group of people are getting ready to eat together as a symbol of our unity with Christ, as our sinfulness together as people, in a symbol of our need for our past to be healed, all of our past, all of our pain, all of our sinfulness. We eat with Jesus, who heals our past and transforms our future. And we eat with all those who come to this table all over the world today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.